When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today joined by Chris Woff and Mark Douglas and it's been yet another uh, interesting week at Newcastle United, shall we say, and that's where we'll start with you, Mark. And obviously over the weekend, the reporter Rafa Benitez is getting more and more frustrated at the lack of transfer activity. What's your kind of understanding of the situation? Uh, well, just that really. I think Rafa uh, obviously wanted to see a bit more action so far this window and we're... Um, we're kind of like not even into July yet, but I think it's probably more the sounds that are coming from uh, some of the hierarchy so far. Rafa's not convinced that Newcastle necessarily um, have done all they can for a couple of deals that he had lined up. Lejeune and Tammy Abraham, I think, were pretty much got to the point where they, they could have been done, uh, and there's been too much hesitation really. So it's been about three, two, three weeks really since Rafa had those two deals lined up. Uh, nothing's happened with them so far so um, I think he's kind of a bit frustrated um, you know we're, we're miles away from a sort of situation of crisis but I know a lot of Newcastle fans starting to get a bit edgy um, you know dealing with a lot of them um, on Twitter who've kind of like coming to me and stuff and I'd like to have really reassuring words for them at the moment probably couldn't couldn't go that far but I, I don't think it's a, a crisis point yet but Newcastle just need to kind of get their fingers out and it's the problem is that, that we've made a big thing about the last year and uh, 12 months ago of course um, you know, everybody rowing in the same direction. Newcastle having a bit of momentum and striking quite early in that window. You know, a lot of the work was done, and everything seemed to be moving in the right direction. It sort of feels a little bit like moving towards past Premier League summer windows at the moment. But it's very early days, and I, I'm not. I certainly, would, I'm certainly not like mega concerned at the moment. You know, I mean, I think a couple of the stories that were out in the national media were, you know, I think possibly over-egging it a little bit. I think the one on the back of the mail, to be honest, I think it was, um, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't right, it was, there was probably something in it, but um, I think to say he's on the brink or anything like that is it's just way too early to say that. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're kind of like, we're just monitoring it really. But, um, you know, fair play to Rafa or whoever's close to him who's kind of getting that message out there. I think it's, you know, we, we all know that he will not be happy if Newcastle go into the start of the season without having made significant additions and he's the first manager for a while who's got a, such a strong enough hand to really make um, to really make a point at the back end of June. He's not waiting until the end of July and into August to kind of make the point and I think all the people around him aren't waiting that long to make the point. They're making the point now because he's probably got more, you know, there's a long summer to go now. Newcastle, do the business now. We'll forget about this little moment of kind of indecision um, when we get into the start of the season. So, you know, it's it's a long summer. It's a very, very long summer. This is a 14-week summer between Newcastle's end of last season and start of this. It's always going to feel a little bit tense, I think, at various points. It's a very long summer, and I think we all just kind of want some news now. Uh, not just journalists. I think fans want news. Rafa wants news. Uh, and everybody concerned with the club just wants some sort of positive news. And Chris, will Rafa have spoken to maybe Lee Charney about his frustrations? Do you think we've got a question... On Twitter from Matthew Lane, who's asking 
apparently he's heard somewhere that it's 24 hours and they're going to have a crunch meeting and what's your take There's, on that? There have been meetings over the last few weeks anyway and Rafa has scheduled meetings again with each other they converse just about every single day but there have been face to face meetings Rafa's made it quite clear that he expected progress by now he wants progress hey, as, as, as Mark's already uh, touched upon Lejeune has basically the deal's basically been there for two weeks there's just small issues with it Rafa expected that just to, to go through Tammy Abraham there were private soundings he made it clear at Newcastle that he was quite keen for whatever reason it looks like he's going to go to Swansea City that one hasn't happened and I think there is just a, a bit of frustration with Rafa on the part of that he believes that, that he sees the momentum of transfers last year when Newcastle signed one player they signed four within a week at the moment they're saying Christian Atsu which wasn't really a sign in terms of the fact that it was a deal that was already largely in place it just needed to be ratified from the season before and otherwise progress hasn't been made look it was probably unrealistic that he wanted most of his transfer business done by next uh, week when the players return on Monday but he certainly wanted three, four, five players through the door so that you can because the thing with Rafa is he's meticulous in everything he prepares for from the first day set pieces small moves on the training ground everything will be sorted and he doesn't like the reason that at the start of last season when players were signed a bit later they weren't immediately thrown in the team is because he won't throw a player into the team who doesn't know a specific call for a set piece who doesn't know he's meant to be stand for something and he wanted the core players Lejeune who we can expect will almost certainly play centre back if he's brought if he is brought in in the end he wants him there to be able to, to he knows he's standing at the front man or whatever the situation is and I think that that is frustrating I think the one thing you can look at to see Rafa's frustration is that it's very very strange for Rafa Benitez to have let this situation go on this long way he hasn't really communicated publicly with mm. the Newcastle United fans this time last year uh, uh, we got in touch with him but he also he was very keen to do a question and answer with us there hasn't been anything like that from, from the club this year he hasn't made that many soundings even via the club's own, own media outlets or something there was the, the statement he made uh, alongside Mike Ashley at the end of the season there was also a couple of quotes uh, regarding Czech Teori understandably and also alongside the fixtures but apart from that there has been very little and Rafa knows that silence creates uncertainty and for whatever reason he hasn't spoken out which I think shows in itself that he is frustrated by the situation he doesn't want to portray a situation that, is, that isn't his, his genuine view on it and basically he just wants to see progress and once progress is made then he'll come out and speak Yeah because there, there is a vacuum isn't there I think when uh, during the summer which I think Rafa kind of recognised last summer when he did that Q&A with us he did the Q&A um, during the international break didn't he as yeah, well? In March yeah In March um, you know we've kind of asked to speak to people at Newcastle and nothing's come forward so far you know understandable that, that's the same at a lot of clubs um, but it's just noticeable that last year there was and um, yeah you know I mean it's it's a strange situation isn't it because people are kind of asking well, what is the definitive situation it's nuanced and complicated it always is with Rafa I think you know everything's quite deliberate um, and really it's down to Mike Ashley I think and probably Justin Barnes and whoever you know we don't know too much about him and the role that he's been playing really but um, it's noticeable isn't it that January nothing happened he's been working there as well nothing's happened so far yet here um, you know it has to happen really because Rafa is the most important person in Newcastle United and um, you know what he's asking for isn't unrealistic and it's not you know he's not asking for 60 million to go and sign Lacazette although you know it would be a sign of a Newcastle you know in three or four years time would be hoping to you'd be hoping that they would be kind of in that bracket if, if it goes as Rafa wants it to but 
you know what Rafa's asked for I don't think is unreasonable from what we're here but they haven't got they haven't got there yet and that is a slight concern but slight concern and remember Jamie Carragher's uh, column from a couple of months ago Rafa is a very political figure there is a re- all of this there's a reason why these this these rumours came out over the weekend <coughs> Albeit, as, as Mark said, I think it was over in the pudding somewhat. There is a reason this stuff leaks out. Rafa, now Rafa gave the interview of Football Focus when he was asked about being political. And he was, oh, I'm not political at all. But there, is, there are very few football managers who are as political. He knows how to play the game. He did it at the end of January when he got his message out there that he wanted to make Ashley. And I think that this is, again, I'm, I'm getting his message out there that, look, I'm frustrated. We need progress now. But, and Mark obviously mentioned that Rafa's got a very strong hand. But is it a case that. Mike Ashley's in the position where if he does want to sell, Rafa could go to him and say, right, you've got to invest, I want this, this, this. And Mike Ashley might call his bluff. Is that something you could see happening? Uh, well, I think the thing, I think it's a bit of a red herring about Rafa, about uh, Ashley wanting to sell. Because Ashley is only saying he wants to sell now because he knows that the price right now is higher than it's been for five years. And it's higher than it will be as soon as the season kicks off. And Newcastle are potentially in a relegation fight, which we, we're hoping that that's not going to be the case. But if they get to September, October, even January in a relegation fight, not £50, £60 million pound off the asking price, because that is the uncertainty that nobody, that nobody wants. So, you know, and it's also not Mike Ashley's money that's being invested by the football club. So, you know, the money that's being invested is money that Mike Ashley, that is going to be generated through promotion. So, it doesn't really matter whether that money's, you know, that money's invested and it doesn't make any difference to the sale. You know, that money, I mean, if we're talking about Mike Ashley having to put in money that, that, that is sold, then fair enough. But, you know, the scope for anybody coming in who takes over to actually spend on transfers anyway is kind of limited because of financial fair play rules. So I just think it's, you know, I think, it, you know, I've heard people on Twitter say it could be an excuse for not signing. And it would be an excuse if it doesn't happen. And it's because of that. That would be an excuse because you can still sign players and go on and, and, and go and be taken over, you know. And Newcastle really need to, to sign players to ensure that they're still in the Premier League because it's a fool's, it's a kind of, you know, it, it's a false economy in a way to not buy players in this position because Newcastle will be, fighting a relegation zone, even with fighting a relegation battle, I think even with Rafa in charge if they don't sign players because we know from the last time that they were in the Premier League they didn't have enough goals in them. And that was why they that was why ultimately they were relegated that, that season because they couldn't find the goals. But they've got Dwight Gale in there, but apart from Dwight Gale, they've got no other new strikers in there who are going to go and sign the players. Alright, they've got Daryl Murphy, but you know Murphy's probably not a Premier League player. Gale potentially is, but there's they need more than that. They need more than that. They need goals. You know, they need goals and they need a few other things. And Rafa will know that. And, and that's and that's why I don't understand if it is Mike Ashley sort of clamping down, you know, and being controlling with the purse strings. It's like you're in a position now where you are stronger and, and you're in the Premier League. Well, you know, fight tooth and nail to stay there. Don't scrimp and save on players now because it's stupid because you're in the position now. Last year was the time when... It could have gone either way, and you'd have almost understood if Mike Ashley had said, "Right, I'm pairing everything back." Scott Ford to put it in. He put money in last summer. He doesn't have to put money in this summer. He just has to allow the club to spend the money that it needs to spend. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I, you know, it frustrates me in some ways that we're having the same conversation because, you know, we've been through it in a year. We felt like there was a kind of understanding there. Do you know, they just need to understand that 
a little bit of speculating to accumulate is how every football club works now. Newcastle will get left behind if they don't um, if they don't spend. I, th- I think in terms of a takeover as well, I think it's almost the whole takeover talk it indirectly has affected the transfer policy. I think I wrote, I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago about how Rafa just wouldn't want this to happen because it's just a distraction and it is mm. a distraction. Distract fan, it becomes what everyone talks about. But then any pl- any club who's now thinking about selling Newcastle will suddenly be thinking, well, if I hold off a few weeks here, yeah, there could be potential investor come in. So if I put the asking price up, I might get more money because the, they might be flush with cash, which is supposedly mm. what uh, Newcastle... And that that was the, always going to be the issue with two. That's why I wrote in a couple of weeks ago, and I still firmly believe it's the wrong time for any of this news to break because... What Newcastle need, what Rafa needs, are players. If this had come out in four or five weeks when Newcastle had already find, signed five or six players, fair enough. But it had come out at a key time when Rafa hope at the time it looked like Abraham was going to happen. It looked like Lejeune should have been through the door there and then. And yet here we are, two weeks on, and Lejeune still isn't through the door, and Tammy Abraham set for Swansea. Yeah. Um, Takeover stuff's weird as well, because I'm not saying that it's not going to happen. It could happen tomorrow. You know, it, could be, it could be really quickly quickly put through and that would be that would be fantastic news in, in, in one sense but in the other sense I, I'm not hearing the noises that it's, it's no. imminent or it's going to happen soon so you know Mike Ashley needs to plan and work as if he's going to be here come September the 1st which, so really the club just should be getting on with the same business as it was before we've seen at Sunderland how long these takeovers take I mean Sunderland's been for sale for 15 months um, and you know there's a very good warning there for Mr. Ashley because Sunderland cannot. Sunderland would have been worth more, and you know that deal would have got done quicker if they were still in the Premier League. But because they pulled the purse strings in a little bit, especially in January, you know now they're in the Championship, and that deal is worth a lot less than it would have been. Oh my gosh! You first put Newcastle for sale in October 2008, and here we are, nearly nine years yeah. later. And yeah. well, a lot of that, I mean, a lot of obviously going off tangent a bit, but a lot of that is uh, a lot of reports about the way Mike actually tries to go about selling the club and. You know, rumours about the way he met people maybe in the far east didn't really work out. Is that, do you think that is, that is something in that, that he's very bullish about the way he wants it his way or no way? I don't think he'd accept anything less than the valuation that he's got for Newcastle, which is why it hasn't been sold so far, because I think there have been a lot of people who would try, who've been trying to buy it for less than he thinks it's worth, and they, and they just haven't been entertained. I don't think there's ever been, at any point since Mike Ashley took over club there's ever been a point at which he's been close to selling it I don't think it's ever I don't think it's ever happened is it a fair valuation it's about 400 million 450 million um, I think they said 450 million aren't they um, yeah I think potentially it would be the biggest deal done for an English football club ever pretty much I think Manchester United maybe a bit more but that was a leverage buyout um, it's more than anybody's ever spent on an English football club you know that's a that's a big it's a big big deal and the the worldwide economy at the moment is not that strong for stuff like this. There's a lot of debate about what's going on in China. Brexit's hanging over the British economy. You know, you've got to consider all of these things. I just think it's an unrealistic amount. Personally, I don't think for a club that, which is Newcastle, if you were an outside investor, you'd say they've fought three relegation battles in the last four seasons. They've been in the Premier League. They need a lot of money spending. Um, it's not... It, to me, it looks. I, I, you know, I would say you can buy it because there's a massive potential there. But for an external investor, 450 million, then you've got to start investing in a few things that have been left. Infrastructure, yeah, definitely. infrastructure needs to spend. Um, the playing squad needs money. 
um, it's it's a lot of money. And you know the the, the world. The thing is, like when Man City was taken over, the the economy was just in a different place, wasn't it? You know, and they knew that. I think the Premier League TV deal could get bigger, but there's no guarantees it's going to get bigger. I mean, it's it's a huge deal at the moment, and that is sustaining British football at the moment. Now we don't know that in three years three years down the line. You know, or even six, ten years down the line, when Brexit's had its impact on the British economy, you might not be able to bring in players. We don't know what that's what that's going to do to the game. You know, we, we kind of we don't know what's going to do to politics. We don't know what it's going to do to the game. It could mean that the best players in the world no longer come to England. They go to other divisions. They go to other leagues, and then they start to take a bit of this kind of global. Thing. I don't think that will happen. But you know, if I was an investor putting four hundred fifty million pound into Newcastle United, it'd be the kind of thing that I'd wonder about. We don't know what's going to happen to, to Britain, do we, in Brexit? And we know much can be said about what Mike Ashley's ownership in Newcastle United, but we know as a businessman that he is extremely savvy and he surely realises that 400, 450 million is very unlikely to get someone paying that, which is why the part investment comes in. And I find that scenario fascinating just to the extent that Mike Ashley would be forgoing part of Newcastle United and essentially handing over control. You would have thought, of, it, usually, if you look at Crystal Palace, if you look at Everton, when someone comes in and invests a significant sum of money, they then invest in players and whatnot. But they are also given a certain amount of control scope over what happens transfer-wise, and it would it would be interesting to see Mike actually do that. He doesn't strike me as, as someone who would want to do that, but it, if it was that situation, you would imagine he would then say, well, well, if you're coming in, you're taking over responsibility of everything to do with the football club, and then he just wants to see the benefits of that. And I, I still find that an intrigue and an unusual scenario for someone like Mike Ashley, yeah. who has been so single-minded in what he's wanted to do with Newcastle United. It's been his way all the way. And yes, Rafa was a bit of a change 15 months ago, but I just find that would be a, a marked sea change of what's coming before. It's great to see with Ashley. For me, Like the thing that I would like to see with Ashley is what I was told two years ago, three years ago, about Mike Ashley, that oh, he just wants somebody to run the football club and not... And for him not to have to worry about it, right? Yeah, cool, good, yeah. Mike. Right, well, you had that situation 12 months ago, so just back off. Six months ago, he got involved again. It feels a bit like he's getting involved again this summer. That just has to stop, you know? I mean, it's good if it's as it was two two months ago, where it's like, right, I'll shake your hand, Rafa. You're a good man. You know, I'll I'll back you. So just let it, just let it happen. I don't understand why... He gets involved. It just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, you've got a football club working well. You've got a manager who can look after it, who's proven to you, and if you've spoken to him. He's got a business plan. Just let it happen. But we'll see. I, and I, I still, I still, like my take on it is, I am still optimistic about this summer. I still think it will happen in the way that we sort of saw it happening before. But I am a glass half full kind of guy. I still think that'll happen. Um, but I think we're going through this process of like testing the waters and I think Lee Charney needs to be a little bit more like I think he's under a lot of pressure at the moment he's been under a lot of pressure for six months I think he's under a lot of pressure at the moment let's see what happens I still expect one transfer hopefully snowball in yeah. three or four I, th- I think that once we see one I think within a couple of weeks yeah. it'll be three four three. I really do I am like I am not I do not think that Mike Ashley is sabotaging the football club you know that that's kind of what I think a lot of people that I'm getting the, the feeling on Twitter that a lot of people are kind of thinking, oh, Ashley's sabotaging the football club. And I understand that because he has made a lot of self-sabotaging decisions in the past. I don't think that's what this is about. I think it's just a sort of funny, kind of weird situation where he's just, like I said, I think there's a bit of this takeover thing going on. There's a bit of this, I spent a lot of money last summer. A bit of like he's let car go 
So now he's got no control at all over transfers like Ashley, and, and he just he's almost like giving them these warning shots that if you don't go and invest willy nilly and spend 150 million on players who are 31, because that you know then I'll get rid of you all. I think that's kind of what it is, because I feel like the car not being there means that he doesn't trust necessarily who's in there in those transfer meetings because he trusted Carr because he knew Carr was on his wavelength and would say he's 16 million we're not going to get a resale there because Carr was his man in those transfer meetings but in that case and why would he have agreed to let Carr go of that because that's the only way you could keep Rafa you couldn't keep Rafa would not have stayed if Carr had remained and had had any influence over transfers what we were saying earlier, what I said earlier about Rafa likes to have a message out there. Whatever Rafa says in any press conference, he's thought about. He knows exactly the repercussion. We had it from about January onwards, but particularly in March, uh, he was asked about restructuring of the club, and he straight away one of the things he name checked was the scouting department. There was no, there was that was a reason why he did that. Then he was also asked directly about working with Graham Carr going forward. He wouldn't answer the question directly. He basically said, "I'm focused." And I think it was before the pressing game. He answered other questions directly. There was a reason there. Rafa had made the decision that for whatever reason it wasn't working with Graham Carr they tried it for 12 months and they were just on different wavelengths about how they saw recruitment going on going forward and Rafa made it clear when he sat down with Meg Ashley that, that, and that was from the, we were told uh, that there was a few noises after the meet, face-to-face meeting he'd had with Ashley about how all was sorted out money-wise but there were still a few issues hanging on and one of them which was told about was that look there still needs to be a couple of things ironed out one of which was Graham Carr and eventually that has been sorted which can be seen as a positive Newcastle fans here look Graham Carr did have a very good effect on Newcastle for a certain period of time but it's, it's a new direction now and Newcastle fans can, can feel positive that Rafa Benitez now has more control over transfers I just want to ask about financial fair play obviously there's a few questions on Twitter about it is that affecting transfers in any way do you think Chris? Well I mean I will be writing a more in-depth piece on this because I've seen quite a few people talking about it but from my understanding and looking up on looking into it it doesn't seem to that Newcastle have any concerns at all about that for a start uh, if you've got a wage bill of less than 67 million which I believe Newcastle's is there or thereabouts not much more anyway then short term it doesn't really affect you anyway also it's quite complicated the whole financials which is why I'm going to write a piece in it but basically um, you can reset your levels to the 2013-14 season and work from there if you've been a Premier League if you were established as a Premier League club even if you've gone out for one or two years and come back in the Premier League you can reset your wage level to then now Newcastle's uh, the season that went down was half the level it was back in 2013-14 so they have a, low, a large amount of scope in terms of wages so wage wise it's not an issue in terms of transfer funds that's a more complex issue it's, it tends to be over three years and so far Newcastle haven't spent anything except the money on Christian Atsu so there's no way that that can be affecting them you look around and look at other clubs around the Premier League they're spending big money um, and I don't think that, that at all that can be used as an excuse. If Newcastle had already made five, six, seven signings, you might be looking at it and trying to top things up. But even then, I just can't see how financial fair play would in any way affect them. Fantastic. And moving on to names and targets and transfers, um, what, what is the latest on Florian Lejeune? Will he be Newcastle's second signing of the summer? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the noises in Spain are that, you know, that deal's going to be done in a matter of days. The noises in England last week when, when it still had a bit of to go um, if I had to take a bet I would say it should probably be done by the end of the week um, you know Roma is still sniffing about by the way you know there's still other interest and it really is Lejeune who's kind of 
saying, no, I want to play for Newcastle. Rafa's done a real good sales pitch, I think, with the journey from what I hear, and really kind of convinced him that, you know, you're going to play, you're going to, well, you're going to get a chance to play, you're going to be, the, you're going to be, you know, you're going to get a chance in England, you're going to love it here and all that. So, yeah, I think that'll, that'll probably be done. I think there's other names. I know I mentioned a couple of wingers on Sunday. Um, so that there's that. Uh, you know, there's probably something there. I think striker-wise, that might take a little bit longer because... You know, everybody wants sort of forwards, don't they? They're not easy to they're not easy to get. A um, couple of loans, I think, bubbling away in the background as well. Maybe Chelsea, kind of, you know, keep keep an eye there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's partly one of the reasons why people are kind of a little bit worried about what's going on with Newcastle because the, the number of names has kind of dried up a bit. And we we talk to you know we talk to a lot of people who tell us what's going on with Newcastle United transfers, and um, it's not been quite as kind of forthcoming as it would be as it was like three or four weeks ago so you know but like Chris said I think once, once it kicks off I think Lejeune would be it would be a good one you know get him through the door give people something positive to talk about he's a good player from what I hear he will fit into the Newcastle way of playing he's tall yeah, it's quite interesting isn't it you know Newcastle possibly conceded too many from set pieces Lejeune is very strong from set pieces I hear the sense there, isn't there? You know, just getting a deal done, eight point seven million. It's nothing. And also, other names popping in the house. Gabriel Perez was mentioned many times during the last month or so. Uh, Andrew Robertson is a one from Paul who's been mentioned in the last kind of week. Chris, are any of them names that are popping up? In the- well, I know Gabriel Perez was was off with someone that Benitez had the opportunity to sign in January as well. He was speaking to a lot of people in Spain at the time, and Gabriel Perez had. His people had made it quite clear he was willing to come to, to England and if Benitez had wanted him there and then he could have got him I think he's a name who's hung around a little bit but I don't think he's a priority sign I think he's, he's more of a if things don't happen we know what he's capable of and he could potentially do a job sort of thing Andrew Robertson there's been sort of a long term interest well sort of like long term looked at him in Newcastle he's someone that kept an eye on for a while he's an, he's an attacking fullback I don't know how much of a Rafa player he really is but I suppose Rafa is looking potentially at different formations for next season in terms of being more flexible. In a 3-5-2, would Andrew Robertson be the sort of player he probably would fit into that sort of system? Eight million seems a fair bit of money for a club in Newcastle who are haggling over the little bits to do with an 8.7 million deal for Lejeune. So I would be surprised by that one. But again, I said that there's long-term interest there. As I wrote this morning, I know for a fact that Rafa is still working his contacts heavily. He's particularly back in Spain he's been speaking to various former clubs and also agents across there made it clear to particularly uh, agents involved in Real Madrid that if any players are available for loan particularly he would be interested in them goalkeeper Casillas is someone he likes he signed them when they win uh, Madrid primarily he would have liked Pepe Arena but it just that one is dragging on and it looks like he probably is going to stay in Napoli now obviously he wanted Willy Caballero which again looks like he's going to go to Chelsea and it's just a little bit of frustration, I think, just creeping in, in that, that a few of the players in Newcastle had potentially identified as top targets, which I think is why there was a lot of names creeped, crept out early on, because they were the players that Newcastle were looking at, whereas now there's been a bit of a, we need a rebrand, we need to work out of the other names that we had and we're looking at, who is it, who is it that we're going to move for? Well, interesting on the top targets, over the, obviously over the weekend when it came out in the Nationals that Rafa was getting frustrated, the names... Uh, some top targets and one was Mangala one was Fabian Delph is that what you kind of understood that they were 
again, again the, the players who are who were definitely mentioned in in transfer meetings, but neither of whom, or particularly not. I mean, Delph was someone again that they had a bit of an inquiry about in January. Don't think he was for this summer was ever a priority target, which is where again I had a bit of a bit of scepticism about how strong some of the national media reports were that they name-checked them as top targets because I don't think those two, fair enough the other two that were mentioned, which were Tammy Abraham and Willie Caballero, they certainly were mm. discussed and I think that's where there's been, I think wherever the information has come from regarding Rafa's frustration is a bit of, it's an intermediary somewhere, there's a bit of crossed wires and again, as I say, that they were mentioned in transfer meetings but I don't think necessarily a priority Mangala was always going to be an expensive one He's um, on massive wages, yeah. I think. You know, I think that, that Mangala's on huge wages. The Man City, all the Man City lads yeah. who are being offered around are on huge wages. Because of course, you know, Newcastle want a goalkeeper. Joe Hart's there at Manchester City, um, and he would jump at the chance to come to Newcastle United. I mean, you speak to people around that situation. You know, they've been pushing Hart to about four or five different Premier League clubs, and he's been offered to Newcastle United. Absolutely, no doubt about that. Um, but he's on he's on humongous wages, um, and it's whether you know that whether Newcastle would be prepared to fund all of those wages. Well, interesting. You've just written a piece on why Rafa needs to persuade Mike Ashley to break yeah. transfer. Record. Well, because the, um, the 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 piece is really about uh, an interesting conversation I had not that long ago with somebody pretty fairly senior in Newcastle about um, the wage, not about the wage. Sorry about the about will. You know, will even Rafa be able to persuade Mike Ashley and Lee Charnley, you know, Lee Charnley through Mike Ashley, to go to that kind of next level for signings because they've they've done well signing 15, 16 million pound players, but that's that was your remit before. Um, but the, the Premier League's moved on in the year even the Newcastle have been out of it. Um, it moved on really in the year that they were there last time when they they did a lot of business around that mark. Um, you know, and really now you're not getting a lot for 15, 16 million. There are some good players out there. I mean, Will Hughes. I'm su- really surprised Newcastle didn't didn't go in for that. Eight million pounds was a was a really, I think, really good deal that Watford have got there. He's a good player. I think Will Hughes. It's a shame they didn't go there. But obviously, you know, Rafa knows better than me, obviously. But um, but you know, it, it, but the the point is. 18, 20 million now is not is is not a huge amount. Like I think somebody um, somebody mentioned the other day, you know, like now you almost double, you almost times whatever the fee is that you're paying for a lot of these top players by by two point five, and that's their that's their actual value. Well, that is you know, especially with strikers, that's that's the case. So you need to go above sixty million. Their, their transfer record is the oldest transfer record of the to- any club in the top flight this season it's 12 years old it's been um, like I think the nearest one was Liverpool which was six years ago but they've just broken that and, they, and their transfer record was 35 million there's now nine clubs that have gone above Newcastle in the, um, in the transfer in terms of their transfer record but Newcastle are worth 560 million pounds they do have money you know that's what I'm trying to say here is that you know this transfer record business you have to go into this next tier you know, there's a lot of money out there in the Premier League now. You have to go to this next tier now because there's the money's there. Looking at like Bournemouth potentially spending twenty Bournemouth. million on Nathan Ake. It's it's it's. it's oh, Bournemouth, Bournemouth, are, Bournemouth are a little bit different because they have got very rich owners who are backing. You know, they're not in the like Ashley thing of you know we'll give you some money, but it's a you know they are backing 
um, Bournemouth big star you know and they're talking about John Terry on huge money potentially Defoe's going to go there isn't he on absolutely humongous money they've spent 10, 15, 12 13 million pounds on players and stuff but they are spending but it's not just them it's Stoke Palace you know Palace have spent 90 million on Christian um, Benteke would Newcastle have done that deal I think that would have been a good deal for Newcastle but obviously they weren't in the Premier League last year to even be in there but that would have been the kind of deal that you'd love to see Newcastle do but they, Newcastle wouldn't have done that deal last this time last summer probably um, this time they need to be in there for those kind of players you know um, it's not fantasy football we're talking about here. It's not like you know we're not throwing names around and saying, oh, you know, these, this, these are realistic deals that Newcastle need to be looking at this summer to move them on. Interesting on the whole striker on Benteke there. I mean, obviously Tammy Abraham looks like he's going to join Swansea. He's chosen Swansea over Newcastle. I mean, who do Newcastle now turn to? Obviously Abraham wasn't necessarily the first choice. He was he was a choice, but he wasn't number one priority so what's next in the striker search Chris? I mean Andre Gray is, is someone that's certainly looked at for a long period of time whether that's a one that look, I mean he's only got a year left on his contract that could potentially be a deal that they look towards but again I think they're going to have to they're probably going to have to pay more than they would ne- than necessarily Mike Ashley or Lee Charlie may put as a value on that for a player who only has a year left on his contract um, and they're going to have to think tomorrow I imagine Rafa is looking around Europe and, and seeing these players I mean we get Obviously, a ridiculous amount of players are linked from France to Newcastle. Whether that starts to quieten down now, Graham Carr's no longer there, who knows? Because we're still getting them over the last couple of days, but it just seems that if a player might be available, then he gets linked to Newcastle, including quite a few strikers. Um, as I, we, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, and, and I said there and then I didn't really know, striker wise, from my own understanding of, of European football, who Newcastle could turn to necessarily. I don't know the, the gems out there, but I certainly trust that Rafa Benitez and his people will and they will have been working on that Tammy Abraham was someone they wanted they thought they could bring him in and he would score goals but my understanding was there was always going to be another striker coming on top of that as well so when Newcastle turn I think Andre Gray will be a potential I know that, that Daniel Sturridge's people have potentially been touting him out to clubs in case Liverpool want to sell him would he be someone again Newcastle would wage wise Newcastle would probably have to go, go above and beyond what they have now and you've got a player there who fitness wise you're going to have question marks over I think Newcastle are going to have to gamble a little bit they're going to have to speculate to accumulate for one of a better term and it's just that we've got to hope that Rafa Benitez can convince them to do it for the right player Mark I mean is there a name that stands out for you striker wise uh, well I know that they were looking at Gray um, Gray was the one that I'd, I'd, I'd heard quite a while ago um, but I gathered that that was the kind of Tammy Abraham sort of thing that they were looking at um, so there was maybe another player coming in so it would have been probably Gray was pushed back a little bit because they thought they could get Abraham um, I can't pronounce his name Chelsea but Batshuayi 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 they've been looking at for a long time I think yeah, they have looked at him for a long time. Keep, keep an eye on him because I think there's something potentially there Rafa's got a good relationship with Michael Amanalo at Chelsea so they'll, I think they'll get somebody from Chelsea this summer on loan um, again it's whether you know it's whether they can whether they can wait that long and, and wait for a player who they um, potentially you know would I think you know like whether they'll wait that long for their frontline striker when he wants somebody in quickly they need to get rid of some players as well that's the thing you know they need to get rid of some players and they need to start doing some decide how they're going to work there you know because there's a lot of players coming back for pre-season they need to make a decision on De Jong really Armstrong as well probably 
a few championship clubs looking at him. Mitrovic as well, over the weekend, Turkish report I think they'll keep him because he's, he's a different option, isn't he? Um, I, I think they would have sold him, but they'll need, they need to get a decent bid in for him. I think they'll keep Mitrovic. I, I do, and, I, and you know, I'd be quite happy with that. I know he, he had a bit of a tough season last season, but he'll be in for the whole of pre-season this summer. He will also be available from the start of this next season, which will be a big, big thing. But I think the lads, maybe two, keep Mitrovic, Gale, I think Murphy will probably go, Armstrong will go on loan, Riviera will go on loan or probably be released. So at the moment, they're, they're reported to you saying £13 million about, you can't, you can't see that? No, I don't think they'll sell him for less than they bought him for. I, I still think that Mitrovic's future will be determined by how much progress Newcastle can make in the transfer market. I think if they can get two players through the door and if they do get a reasonable offer. I know I was told a few weeks ago when it looked like Iran was going to come in that there was potentially loaning Mitrovic out for a year was something they'd seriously considered because to see that if he goes away and does well then we're going to make a decision next summer maybe we can get more money from or potentially could even get integrated back into the squad if he does well elsewhere. So I think that that is... At the moment, Newcastle and Rafa Benitez are basically waiting and seeing who they can get in. And if, if progress is going to be slow, then Mitrovic probably is going to have a future. If not, then I think if, if they can get a lot of players through the door, then I think they will consider the option of sending them at least out on loan. It's not going to be the end of the summer like it was in January when Newcastle don't sign anybody yeah. because it can't be. I mean, if that happens, it just you know just boggles the mind how that how they would think anybody would think that that would be a good situation. Um, so they will sign players, um, you know, and, and they haven't, and, and it's they've still not, they've still you know still not into July yet. A lot of teams in the Premier League haven't signed anybody. It's really more Rafa wanting to do business quickly. If Rafa hadn't have sent out those signals that he wanted to do business quickly, I'd be sitting here saying, oh, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to worry about. It's very early in the summer. It's seven weeks until the start of the season. We're a long way from the start of the season. A lot of time to do stuff, but Rafa but wants to do stuff. There is, and one of the, but one of the reasons I know that we can talk about a lot. Last year, they didn't sign Matt Sells until June 29th, so in theory, we've got a couple of days left anyway. But as I say, it snowballed quickly after that. Rafa wants to see that effect because although there is a long time left, Newcastle have to do more business than the majority of yeah. clubs, and he realises that. Um, where because if you look, the teams who tend to have done most business so far are actually Brighton and Huddersfield, who are the other two teams who've come up. They've already signed a few players each. Rafa wanted a few just so he could then have a basis and then work from there. As I say, it's not a time to panic at all, but it would have been nice. Rafa wanted that base layer to then be able to work from. I'm mean, interested just on Huddersfield. They've just, I think, just brought in a record transfer. Twice, fee. Two, two times, 13 million pounds for a striker from, I want to say, France or Belgium. France, isn't it? Uh, no, they signed, yeah, Laurent de Potre. Um, yeah, the other day, yeah. That says a heck of a lot about the market that Newcastle. I'm going to have to work in. It does because he's not particularly prolific either. If you first look at his record, I think he's. I mean, I don't. I don't know that much about him. I think he's a decent enough striker, but I don't think he's necessarily a player. Say straight away, he's going to get you 12, 15 goals in the Premier League. But yeah, it's precisely the, the market that Newcastle are, are going to have to operate in. The market is ludicrous. The market's ludicrous, but the market is the market. You can't. You have to mm. to deal in it. Otherwise, you are just going to be left behind. If you just try and haggle over the smallest little details, yes, you want to try and get value for money in the market. Whatever value for money is in this market but you're not going to get the value for money that Mike Ashley and Lee Charlie seem to think you're going to get because the, the market is ridiculous you've got Chinese money's flooded it the Premier League TV money's flooded it for whatever reason the, the inflation from prices two years ago is astronomical and Newcastle have to realise that and are going to have to speculate to accumulate mm. and Huddersfield like by the, the relative financial might that Huddersfield have got bear in mind they were spending 
whatever last summer. So they're now spending £13 million. So they've gone 10 times higher than they were last summer. So they are preparing to do business, to try and stay in the Premier League because they recognise that if they stay in the Premier League, they can do a Stoke, a Bournemouth, a Swansea, a Palace. They can become a pretty regular fixture in the Premier League. Huddersfield have that chance now. Burnley have that chance. Newcastle, like this idea that because they're a big club, they're going to stay in the Premier League next season should be, you know, Mike Ashley should have realised now, he's been slapped twice with that ridiculous notion that because you're a big club, you stay in the Premier League. Newcastle have fought three relegation fights in the last four seasons they've been in the Premier League. And that's because of the way that they've operated in the Premier League. They need to realise that just being a big club, by the, the general measure of it, is not enough. It's not enough. There's loads of big clubs in the Championship. They've been lucky twice now in the Championship to come straight back once through basically having a good squad that they kept and fair play to Mike Ashley for doing that fair play to Mike Ashley for backing Rafa last season as well because that did have a big impact but don't get yourself into the you know don't get yourself into the problem in the first place by just realising that it just takes something to stay in the Premier League bigger clubs than Newcastle have you know tumbled through the leagues there's two teams from 2005 who finished 7th and 8th um in the, who are going to be in League One next year? You know, we've got Charlton from 2005, sorry, and Blackburn from 2005, who are both in the Premier League, who are going to be in League One next year. Bolton have just spent a bit of time in League One. You know, it's just don't take the risk. Don't take the risk. That's, that, that, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's, and it's complacency of position, and that was exactly what Rafa Benitez wanted to avoid in January. That's exactly what he wants to, to avoid now. If you stand still, you're two steps behind everyone else because everyone else progresses forward. So Rafa Benitez is always about constant self-improvement and that's not just some idea that he has which he just, oh, I want I want money every window. It's because he realises that if you don't spend money, if you don't keep, and not vast amounts of money, if you don't keep improving the squad, then you are going backwards. You're not standing, you're actually going backwards. And he was frustrated in January because he thought they could have had basically promotion wrapped up by about March if they'd signed a couple of players. And as we saw, start of April, they did start to stutter a little bit. He doesn't want a situation whereby this summer Newcastle don't make the progress they need to because otherwise they really could be in a relegation battle by Christmas and he wants to avoid that. And that's, and that's the point, isn't it? Like we're sort of sitting here and, you know, I mean, it is, you know, we are sitting here in the middle in the, in the kind of, at the end of June talking and you know that's our job is to talk about Newcastle United in the in the depths of summer and stuff and I don't think that the narrative is negative around Newcastle at all I think the narrative's still really positive because of what happened last season but you know it doesn't take Newcastle's a jumpy city when it comes to football isn't it we we all know that we all yeah. live here we all you know the, the passion is is this brilliant thing that kind of everybody feeds off but it but it also means and Rafa realizes it also means that it gets a bit jumpy and you know you'd think that Lee Charney had been here long enough and you'd think that Mike Ashley had been here long enough to get a sense of what the football club is about and it really just needs that sort of first signing to come in and stuff but you know like we could probably we'll probably look back at, hopefully look back at this podcast in about three weeks and say ah, what was all the fuss about in signing four players <laughs> but, and that could happen I agree with you but there is also a reason why we are doing this and yeah. I think this was what Rafa Benitez wanted I think that the, the, mm-hmm. okay. that, it, it, yeah, he wanted this message out he wanted and I think that, that that just tells you again that this is a manager who knows exactly what he's doing yeah. He? yeah he does I mean that's the point isn't it like we you know a couple of people said over the weekend you know why always Newcastle we're getting a bit sick of this Rafa Benitez thing yeah yeah because Alan Pardew and Steve, Steve McLaren in particular sat there and didn't say anything about the fact that oh I'm not got what not got what I wanted and then afterwards when he'd been sacked 
his first interview with the BBC afterwards was like, yeah, yeah, actually, do you know what? I, I let things slide that I shouldn't have let slide. Rafa's not going to allow that to happen, and we've seen that this weekend. Well, interesting. So, what we're on the 26th of June here, Rafa give the signals out that by the 3rd of July he wanted players through the door. So, let me put it to you by the 3rd, the, by the 3rd of July, Chris, get my words out there. Do you see more? Do you, do you see a player in? Do you see more than one player in, or are you going to sit on the fence? I'm going to sit on the fence to a certain Surprise, degree. Right. Okay, come on then. But I, I would expect Florian Lejeune to be in. I'm not going to say he definitely will be, but I, I would expect. And I think if Lejeune comes in, I think within 10, 14 days afterwards, we'll see another one or two at least. Let me twist the question there for you, Mark. If by the 3rd of July, Rafa hasn't got a player in or has only got one in, what do you expect to happen? Do you expect the mood to change or will Rafa hold his ground, get on with um, things and then... No, I, th- I think it'll just depend, you know. I, I think it will depend on, on what... I think really probably the reason why we're talking about this is because Rafa's just been a little bit perturbed, not necessarily by the fact that they haven't signed anybody, but just by the kind of lack of action in some ways, you know. Like, it's, it's all about having bids in, talking to people, getting the impression that things are happening and, and, and it's that. So they might just have one player in, but they might be really active in about four or five other things. Because, you know, Sells came in for Newcastle, they got Richie and they got Gale in very quickly after that. But then the better players, then they, then it was a bit of a time, wasn't it, before they got the next lot in. Um, Hayden was an important one. And then remember, they got Diarmi, Clark, in, yeah, Yedlin in, well, they got the two, didn't they? They got the two just in August before the season started. Yeah, I mean, and then they got a few in after the yeah. season started. So um, it might be that, you know, but they need, I think they need just one or two decent ones in now and, and Lejeune would be a good start because um, you know it's sort of I think, right I, I think the thing that's frustrated Rafa is he wanted those the spine of his team sort of, or at least part of the spine of his team sort of so he wanted a goalkeeper in he wanted Lejeune in he wanted potentially a midfielder and then Abraham and then you can build from there they're the positions he knows he's going to and he, he wants them in training as soon as possible and I think that's what's frustrated him a little bit is that if they'd been in if it takes a little bit of time to get the left, we know he wants. He's wanted left wingers for a while. If it takes him a little bit of time to get those left wingers in, fine. He's got those core positions, and you can work and add these players afterwards. But he hasn't got the core positions, and they're the ones which are, in theory, the more difficult ones to get. And so now he's had to we've had to go back to square one to a certain degree. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Hopefully, you didn't get too disturbed by the air. Our colleagues coming in the background and buying sweets and crisps and not offering us any. <laughs> Hopefully, the next time you hear from us, we will have a few more uh, signings through the door St James's Park. Head to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep up to date with all the Newcastle United news.